to the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob, for old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself will be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. And so if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, we're going to go back. We're going to dig deep into one of the universes that we've been to a few times before. What are we going to review? Well, Dave, we are going back to 2011 and it's X-Men First Class. So I remember this well, Dave, but have you seen this at the cinema or what sort of memories have you got of this movie? Well, I have to say there was no way I was going to miss this at the cinema. Chris, you and I have spoken so many times now, and everyone probably knows and is bored of hearing me say how, how much of a massive X-Men fan I am. And so, you know, even though the franchise, the Fox universe, is a little bit lumpy, you know, a little bit hit and miss, I think, you know, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, got a lot of criticism. I didn't particularly hate it, um, but it certainly wasn't as strong as the first two. And then we'd add, you know, uh, X-Men or uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine it was obviously, you know, again, we admitted bit of a bit of a guilty pleasure for us. But, you know, or at least it is for you when you see the right version of it with all the special effects added on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending <laughs> how adoptively the copy was, Dave. Yes, I remember it well. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I remember coming up to this when it was first announced about what Fox were going to do there was quite a lot of disillusionment. One of the old podcasts that I used to listen to was the Uncanny X cast. And so there's a big X fan community uh, there. And there was a lot of kind of uh, cynicism about what they were actually going to do, especially with like Havoc being in, in it. And Havoc in the comics is Scott Summers, you know, Cyclops' brother. And whereas when, when you put Havoc in the 60s, and we know Scott Summers, you know, we, we saw him in X-Men 2000, you know, being, what, 30 or something, just do, doesn't make sense. And I just remember one message in particular. It's like, oh, Havoc's in, in the first class, people. You know, and it's like, just fucking abandon it. This is going to be an absolute nightmare. But, I, you know, I try not to listen too much to that stuff anyway. But I do think there was a lot of cynicism around it. But when I watched it, Chris, I was just blown away. It was one of those where they absolutely nailed the essence of that first class. You know, the first uh, school of Charles Xavier, if you like. Even though it's not technically the same characters that were in the comics. You know, in the comics, it was Angel, Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, and Jean Grey. And that, that, that those were your five X-Men, even though one was a woman. Um 
but I, I just think they got they got it, and it was just a fun movie, and absolutely loved it. And so, this has been one that's been in my regular rotation for a few years now. How about yourself, Chris? Not far off, Dave. To be honest, I was interested because of them going back in time, and obviously. We had Michael Falsbender and James McAvoy. I didn't know how that was going to go, but I'm like you. I'm Cards on the table, Dave. This is one of my best X-Men movies, without a doubt. I absolutely love it. I, I had an excuse finally to crack open the X-Men uh, Wolverine Adamantian collection. I sent you the picture, didn't I? Yeah. Best five pound I've ever spent. It was some flash sale on Zavi. And I was like, how the hell is it so cheap? But it's brilliant. So it was so good to get it on. I just thought I wasn't sure with Michael Fassbender, and I'm thinking I've, I've I'm seen. I'm pretty sure it's Fass, not Fass. Yeah, him as well. Fal- yeah, him as well. Yeah, but I, I'm going back to my German origins, Dave. So yeah, him as well. Him as well. Um, but, but I wasn't sure of him as Magneto because I love Tyrion McKellen. I, I'm your Patrick mm. Stewart. He's Professor X. But I tell you what, it's amazing. And I don't think I went to the cinema to watch it. I think I watched it as soon as it came out on sort of. <laughs> I, I think it would have been streaming, whichever streaming platform I got it on, uh, legally, of course. Uh, but, but yeah, a great movie. And I'm really looking forward to us doing this because this has been in the back pocket for both of us, I think, since we started the podcast that we were, it was going to be there as we try and go through in chronological order. We haven't, and we have stuck to that, to be fair, haven't we? Because we've got a few mm. coming up. But yeah, I, I was really excited about this and, and just an excuse to watch it again because I just love the period stuff of it. And Dave, they're in Las Vegas, even though it's a, a fake Las Vegas for the, for the scenes. <laughs> I was honestly, I, I I was blown away with this when I watched it the first time. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, and I love the way you know you knit in this very fantastical world with actual real life events from our real world history as well. You know, with yeah. obviously the Cuban Missile Crisis, I, I thought that was really clever. You know, again, that's all calling kind of calling back to X-Men number one where they run into Magneto. So again, they they do what I think the MCU do, um, which is they take the essence of, you know, a particular set of stories or characters and then they create something new. But so long as it's good, people don't generally get bent out of shape about it. It's when they start messing with stuff and make it horrendously worse. Uh, I think that's when, you know, people get a bit of nerd rage. <laughs> <laughs> we all get nerd rage, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it's going to be interesting going through this one and, and what we think. But I've, I've got a feeling we've shown our hand a little bit straight away, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Chris, should we get into our trailer? Let's go. You have the chance to become part of something much bigger than yourself. What do you know about me? Everything. A new species is being born. Help me guide it. Shape it. Lead it. Time for the tour. 
You have no idea what I'd give to feel normal. You want society to accept you, but you can't even accept yourself. Should we have to hide? Tomorrow, mankind will know that mutants exist. They'll fear us, and that fear will turn to hatred. Not if we stop a war. Not if we risk our lives doing so. We have it in us to be the better men we already are. It shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States. They're just kids. No, they were kids. You ready for this? Let's find out. The cost of freedom is always high. No one can foresee precisely what course it will take. One path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. Killing will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. Now, in 1944, at the Auschwitz concentration camp, we get Nazi officer Klaus Schmidt, and he witnesses a young uh, prisoner, Eric Lenscher, and he bends a metal gate with, with his mind. He bends a metal gate with his mind after being separated from his mother. In his office, Schmidt orders Eric to move a coin on his desk, and he kills the boy's mother when Eric can't move the coin. In grief and anger, Eric's magnetic powers manifest and he kills two guards and destroys the room. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? Well, Dave, the comics in motion DNA that we set out when we first started the podcast, or we sort of came to that conclusion after some of the turkeys we watched, I think, in the first <laughs> 10 episodes, is you always need a good bad guy. And I'll tell you what, Dave, Kevin Bacon is really good in this, I think. I, I know... He's never, I'm not seeing him as a baddie in a lot of things at all. He's always just sort of, you know, I've seen, I remember him in obviously Footloose and what's that one with the thing, the tremors. tremors and stuff like that. He's been also, and obviously in the moment. <laughs> How did I get that from that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we speak our own language, Dave. Um, maybe see uh, the, the Professor X in you, Dave, just reading my mind. But but no, I honestly think he's a good baddie in this. And I think he, he sets the tone for the whole movie because. We, we that whole start is like from X-Men, the 2000, the, the original one. We see that, don't we, where he bends the, the things, that, but we get an extension mm. of it, which is great. And look, I think in this movie, it's got one of the best scenes I've seen in any movie. I fucking love this. I mean, you probably know which one I'm talking about. It's on regular rotation on YouTube when I'm on a superhero best of scenes. Even when it's a crap movie, there's some... Is it from, is it from the bar? Oh, yeah. Love it every yeah. time, Dave. We'll, we'll, speak, we'll speak about the I know we've gone too we far on that. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but no, I think it starts really good. I think it, it lays that foundation again. And then obviously we also get the stuff with Charles and Raven. They're in the bar, aren't they, and everything. And, and, and it's nice that because obviously when we've watched the original X-Men stuff, she's a baddie. 
Raven. Mm. And this is an origin story again, and it's it's great. I think Days of Future Past sort of plays plays. It's not a bad film, that actually, even though a lot of people don't like it. But it just plays on some of the characters and changes them completely. Whereas I think this is perfect, and I think the setting, everything, the early sixties is brilliant. I think Days of Future Past and obviously we'll review that at some point. I think a lot of people quite like that. And I've heard quite a lot of people say that's their favorite X-Men movie because it does bring together, you know, the McAvoy X-Men and the Patrick Stewart X-Men. Um, I, I just think it's it's Apocalypse where it took a nosedive in quality and let's not talk about Dark Phoenix anymore. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but no, done I think, that. yeah, don't. <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think this is great. And what I love about it as well, because we've met, you know, old, wise Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier. And here, straight away, when we meet James McAvoy, Charles Xavier, you know, he's basically uh, getting pissed in the pub and trying to chat up women, <laughs> you know, with old Peaky Blinders misses there. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, Toby uh, Shelby's misses, yeah. Yeah, and so he's like, yeah, very groovy mutation. <laughs> you know, he's basically <laughs> using his education to try and pick up chicks. And he's, he's. I think later in the movie, he's going on about, you know, don't mess up with my hair and when he's talking about using Cerebro and stuff. So I like the fact you've got this slightly narcissistic, uh, ego-driven uh, Charles Xavier. And uh, obviously, we'd met, we'd kind of met him and Raven, hadn't we? When when they were kids, which uh, I still think is a bit weird. You know, she, Raven's there nicking food from the kitchen, and he's like, "Oh, you can stay here forever. Take take whatever you want." <laughs> but it seemed a bit you know, yeah. fast forwarded, um, but yeah, I, I do like the way they're there, and you can see straight away that you know raven's got a bit of a thing with uh with charles xavier but you know for her mutation it's not easy to blend in she has to you know change a whole appearance in order to fit in uh whereas charles is you know it's all in his mind so as far as everyone's concerned he's just human and so you know when um when the the oh what's what's the name? I'm gonna have to look it up. The girl who's out of Peaky Blinders, when she's saying, "Let's reclaim that word," then mutants and proud, <laughs> you know. And Raven's getting all bent out of shape. Mutants and proud. Fuck off. I'm blue here. Um. So yeah, I I, I quite like that dynamic. If you think in terms of continuity, I don't think Fox did a massively great job in keeping the continuity because you're kind of thinking, well, hang about in X-Men 2000, why didn't Professor X and Raven just simply acknowledge each other's existence, you know, if they knew each other and grew up with each other? But uh, I'm willing for this just to park that to the side. And uh, yeah, no, I just, I really love the way this, this sets everything up. Yeah, it does. I, I agree. And, and obviously we get an older Eric then, don't we? He's trying to track down Schmidt, who's called Sebastian Shaw, Dave. Again, mm. he, I mean, you know, I, I know you've mentioned it before. I think it's when we did Generation X, but we've got the Emma Frost character. Who's, mm-hmm. she's, is she like one of the most powerful X-Men or X-Women? She, yeah, so she is. And she, she, was, she kind of got introduced as a villain. And what you saw with a lot of the X-Men comics actually was uh, they they all used to wear like, you know, very skimpy lingerie. You know, <laughs> it's very practical yeah. when you're fighting superheroes. Um, 
so yeah, she she was like in there, and and she was part she was part of the Hellfire Club for a while. She had this little group called the Hellions, but she was definitely a villain. And then over time, she's ended up, you know, she's actually part of the X Men. I've not kept up with the X Men for the last few years, but she was. Uh, she ended up in, in the comics. She ended up with Scott Summers, and basically it was them two running the X Men for a while. Um, so yeah, she do, she does end up being good, if you like, or uh, ambiguous on the side of good. Let's put it that way. But, funny, uh, yeah, that's her. Sorry to interrupt. It's funny actually because I do remember you sending me an Emma Frost picture now, Dave. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, but uh, nothing seedy. But it was sort of like this is the outfit. And I think we had a discussion like, what the hell? This is obviously. It was probably when we were doing uh, Generation X, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> I think so. And I remember you saying, "What do you think of these pictures?" And I didn't. I thought it was a piss take. I'm like, "These can't have been in the comics." And you were like, "Nope, they are." I was like, "Oh well, someone <laughs> mustn't have been getting any at home." But anyway, um, but, but I think the, what's good about the Vegas thing, as someone who's like a Vegas, you know, historian, I love the place. I'm always reading stuff on it. They pick downtown Vegas and then pictures I've seen before, them sort of stock pictures. Some of it's CGI, but they've, they've, they've actually got the casinos correct, Dave, where Sebastian Shaw is and, and mm. like that strip club and everything. It's really good, like what they've done. But obviously the rest of it's filmed within the studio. But again, Sebastian Shaw, Dave, what a bastard. And, and you do, yeah. you, he is good, Kevin Bacon, because you do dispel the fact that it's Kevin Bacon. You just look at him going, oh, you absolute bastard. You know, and yeah. obviously... Eric is trying to track him down because he killed his mom and all. And honestly, some of the, the graphic stuff, and we I know we talked about it, but at the start when he kills the two guards with the helmets and crushes them and stuff, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff, it's the rage with Eric. It's really, really well put together, I've got to say. Yeah, so it's not really explained how it gets from, you know, he's, he's obviously being mentored, if you like, you know, uh, by force by Sebastian Shaw. And so Sebastian Shaw is a, is a big villain in the comics. Looks nothing like uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon, to be honest. Got big mutton chops and everything. But, but anyway, it's not clear how they became, you know, separated. But uh, yeah, that, that's obviously Eric's mission isn't it to try and find him but when uh when the cia are trying to track um sebastian shaw down and you get again all the sexy ladies in their lingerie going into the hellfire club and everything i, I don't know why but when they're obviously trying to make a deal with the military guy aren't they and you know to get him to put missiles in turkey so they want the us to put missiles in turkey they want the russians to put missiles in cuba and basically start off world war three spoiler alert that's that's kind of sebastian shaw's whole uh idea you know the the they're saying like the um the age of the atom is what's accelerated mutants popping up all over the place and so you know world war three will have more mutants and then so all the mutants are happy and they've got rid of the homo sapiens but um the military guy he's just he's got balls of steel hasn't he because i don't know why it jumps out at me it's just the way he, he says that you know i'm not going to do that or whatever and he goes but i'm gonna have another glass of this delicious champagne <laughs> and i don't know why it just <laughs> it jars with me like just a terrible line it's like Surely, if you're making these, 
you know, behind closed doors deals and everything. You're talking about big old stakes. It just seems like an out of context line to me. I mean, when, when he meets a young Eric, he's got a proper good German accent, yeah, hasn't he? He's a proper like, one. Chocolate. <laughs> you know, he's got all the uh, got all the pronunciation. <laughs> to my <laughs> ear, that. sounds really good. <laughs> they like my German accent there. <laughs> oh, I've got to tell you, Chris. I, I remember this. This was a, an advert, and I, I can't remember who sent it me now. Probably you, if it was WhatsApp. Um, <laughs> and then this isn't offensive, by the way, but it was an advert for English lessons that they were running out in Germany. And it was basically the, you know, someone was part of the Coast Guard or whatever. And then they do a change of shift. And then so he sits down and then across the across the radio, you get this British person. He goes, uh, you know, hello, hello, who's there? SOS, whatever, whatever he's saying. And then the German guy's like, uh, hello? <laughs> and then he goes, we're sinking, we're sinking. It clicks the microphone again. It goes, uh, what are you thinking about? <laughs> hello, hello. It's just like, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but this was this was a genuine advert, you know, that was run in Germany, and it was for English lessons. But I did oh think, God. like, I wonder if they know that basically, if they watched Hello Hello, they could they could have just rerun that. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, I, I tell you what, Dave. You, I don't know if you sent it to me when we did VHS. We did like Rocky Three and that. But was it you sent me Burgers Meredith when he was like? When the um, the American Army came over to the UK, have you ever seen oh, it on I YouTube? I, I've seen it. Yeah, he's oh basically God. He's, he's giving an education on how the um, the American soldiers should should blend into English culture, <laughs> playing darts and having a pint. <laughs> and it's just if anyone listening, it's amazing. Just putting Burgess Meredith. It's you know, good. It, it, it's it's, really it's good. so random, isn't it, Dave? And everyone stopped and like. Paused like a police squad. The like stuck. He's going right, and this guy's going to now sit with this one, and and, and it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's ten minutes or so, but it's just amazing thing to give to the U.S. Army. Really, really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, no, it is good. But um, but yeah, so we so we get to meet a few different mutants, don't we? Like you, you can see Emma Frost. You know, she's a telepath, but she can also turn into diamond and you've got azizel so so it's actually azizel the the kind of demon the red demon looking bloke yeah. yeah he's apparently um uh, nightcrawler's that you know so remember oh, nightcrawler the yeah guy in the second one yeah in the second one yeah yeah so that, oh. that's his link yeah because the tail is similar i thought i was going to ask you that is it something to do with it because I, I didn't realize oh that's interesting he's a horrible he's a really bad buddy in this yeah he's ruthless isn't he yeah, he is. He is, and I think I think as well when you get to meet them. Obviously, we then get the young ones, don't they? Where they they, they sort of um they, they start sort of recruiting some young uh, X Men, don't they? Some of the young kids, and we and we meet Hank as well, who I love the fact. Well, so so initially, let me let me think. I've I've caught a massive bit of the you, film you, out there, you, and yeah. I've just jumped <laughs> loads there. So so let's start again. So so Eric is seeking out Shaw. And he finds him on the yacht, doesn't he, after the Vegas stuff. So mm-hmm. they've had all this agreement and that. And they stop him. And Emma Frost stops him, says he's here to kill you, and throws him off and that. But you've got Charles and the others. 
with the CIA on the boats. And then Charles is like, hang on. So I think, some- I think you've still missed out a huge chunk. The fact that <laughs> Moira McTaggart recruits Charles Xavier is pretty significant. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so, you know, and, and they do, they have a hard job convincing the CIA that these mutants exist. So that's how they end up on the boat, isn't yes. it? Yeah, because yes, because that guy has always said that there is mutants out there, and he's been, he's been in loads of films, even with the black hair, and he's like, they've always called me a freak, and he's walking off with him, isn't he, with like um, Taggart and Charles and everything. So yeah, so anyway, Dave, yeah, back, back to the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fifty minutes I've just jumped out of the film, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, what what's interesting though is like. The way and, this... and you've also missed out your bar scene, by the way. All right, so let's talk about the bar scene now, Dave. So <laughs> that scene. Are you in a rush? No, no. <laughs> Do you need the toilet or something? <laughs> I've got my legs crossed. No, we've got to talk about that <laughs> that bar scene. Um, that for me, that is one of the best scenes I've seen in any movie, irrespective of superhero movie or anything. I just think yeah. it, the tension is phenomenal, Dave. And Michael Fassbender, was that right? Is that right this time? Yeah, yeah. Fassbender, yeah. yeah. Fassbender is brilliant in this. I think the German accent, everything, and the way he sets them up, I just, honestly, that whole dynamic, that room is brilliant. You know, this is, and, and Tony's going to shout at me here, but I think this is almost like Tarantino levels of tension building. I love the mute, the Magneto music, you know, it's, it's just so, so good. I mean, even when we first meet the adult Magneto and he's kind of messing around with that coin and it's just like a really distinctive, uh, piece of music, isn't it? But when he goes into Argentina and, and again, that's, that's quite a lot of Germans did go like post second world war, they headed across to South America, didn't we, to escape persecution? And so, when he's in the bar, and uh, you know, he orders his um, uh, his German beer, and uh, you know, these two guys are making conversation. He's like, "Beste." His German accent is just so so good. And you've got the guy who looks like you know, he look, the one guy, the pig farmer. Reminds me of the the chubby guy out of RV, the same pet. <laughs> whoa, 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 steady now. Do you mean we, do you mean Timothy Spall? Barry? That him, is it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's only one blonde one, isn't there? It yeah, sort of reminds Timothy me Spall. of him. You were uh, fucking skating then, Dave. You know that's my favourite TV show of all time. What did I say? He looks like him. Let's, let's not say anything. That, that I negative, thought I was waiting it? for you to slag it off. But anyway, carry on, Dave. No. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, he's shiner. <laughs> I just love every word. It's just so good. And even though, you know, they're speaking German and you can see the subtitles and everything, everything's quite close to English, you know, and you find out he's a, a pig farmer and the other guy is a, a tailor whose, you know, family had been in Dusseldorf and that's it. He knows for a fact, he knows that they're there because they're ex-Nazis and, and have fled to avoid persecution. And, and you just think it again, the way the music builds up, you guys are fucked. And, uh, you know, when, when he ultimately, you know, it's when he stabs the guy through the hand, isn't it? That's particularly brutal. 
It is. It's brilliant. And I think I think we both spoke about that. We've watched this, the Hunting Hitler series, haven't we? Have you seen it on Discovery? Have you have you actually no, gone through that? I've never seen it. Oh, sorry. It's brilliant. So so the reason they've gone with Argentina is there's a big thing about Hitler never died. So they found Ava Bronze's body in the middle of the road in um I think it was, I don't know if it's Munich or wherever, wherever he was based in Germany. In Berlin, where Berlin. everyone was descending. <laughs> that, that's that, that as well. My fucking history is terrible, Dave. But, but what they've done is they'd have, they took all the lamppost out and everything like to a certain height. So if they had a plane to get out, there was all the tunnels there. And there's a whole series on Discovery from a couple of years ago. And they go looking, hunting for Hitler, basically. And they, they, they basically say that he was... Uh, Franco kept him in Spain. He didn't die. They found their body. They never found his body. And he ended up in Argentina. So, so in... They ended up going Germany to Spain, and then they go across because what they've they said is there's a lot of Spanish um, cemeteries, and it shows it. And there's loads of burials behind a lot of the a lot of these um, tombs, and they've got Nazi signs on them, Dave, in Spain, where a lot of them fled from the Germany, and then they ended up going to in, South America, in Spain, or in Spain. In so, Argentina. so they went. No, so so in Spain and Argentina, there, there is Nazi burial places in the cemeteries. And it shows it on the show. It's really, really interesting. And you can't yeah, yeah. see it, but you've got to like look down the side of a wall and there's Nazi signs and everything where people are buried in tombs and that. And what the, the, the thing was that um, Hitler was alive and went to Argentina. And that's why I think this is about it. Like you say, because a lot of the U-boats went and moved out and they had like exile in certain countries for the Nazis and that. Yeah. Were, so I think, I think it's more to do with the, a lot of the Germans went there as opposed to one of your Elvis-like conspiracies that fucking Hitler's show? still alive. <laughs> he's 130, Dave, but he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> he's been in the Lazarus pit. You know, he's got the fucking elixir of life and he, he's just fucking, he's still alive today. <laughs> What's that film with Brad Pitt, Dave? It's, he, he was what he was based on. What's it called? Or when he, when he de-ages. Fight Club one. No, he de- <laughs> he de-ages himself. Something Joe, is it? Something. He, I can't remember his name. He de-ages from like an old bloke all the way backwards. He ends up going the other way. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. But but yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> it is a true true story that about the Nazis and stuff. So I find it really good that you said about yeah, playing I on the history. that bit, just not the Hitler bit. They've just watched it. It's a proper discovery <laughs> I will. channel. I will, I will. I will watch it. Isn't. <laughs> Is the Discovery Channel on Disney Plus now, or is that National Geographic or something? I think it's the History Channel. It might be National Geo. It could be. I'm not that working for Sky, but if you've got Sky or or even even now TV, I'm sure you can get a full year of Discovery Plus for free as a test. Mm. And then at the end of it, you can sign up or leave sort of thing. That's what we've got at the moment. There's loads of documentaries on it. It's really good. All right. Cool. I'll, I'll give that a go. Now, Chris, I think now we can get to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for raining me in, Dave. Um, no, I, th- I, think, I think that the boat seems brilliant because yeah. Eric has just lost his head completely. He's got Shaw in his sights. Obviously, Emma Frost sort of gives him a kick in and kicks him over the side. And then Charles and, and they didn't realise what's going on, but he gets blocked straight away, doesn't he, by Emma. Mm. And, and, and then he realises that someone else is there. That he's never, he's never. The thing is, he's never come across Eric. He knows of him because of the mind thing, but they've never, and, and they seem very comfortable with each other. Literally, the scene after. Yeah, I mean, I, I took it that 
you know, Charles was just in his head. So straight away, he knows his name, he knows his motivation and everything. So so that's how I took that. Um, when he's telling him to calm your mind and stuff. Yeah. But I tell you what, we, we've said about Michael Fassbender, you know, James McAvoy, those two leads are brilliant. Kevin Bacon, brilliant baddie. Secondary to that, I think you've got like, you know, um, Moira McTaggart played by uh, Rose Byrne. I think she does a, a decent enough job. But Chris, January Jones playing as, as Emma Frost, I, I just, I don't know what it is. But I preferred the version of Emma Frost out of Generation X, to be honest. It's just like, it's as if she's half asleep in this film. I, I don't get it. And I, I guess, I guess, because I know, you know, Emma from the, from the comics is a smart cookie and you're never quite sure what agenda she's working to. Whereas, um, I, I don't know. It's just like, she plays it. Like she's just a bit of eye candy on his, on, uh, Sebastian Shaw's arm. It's interesting that because you, you, and obviously we get an allude to, don't we? Whereas if she's stripping off as well with the, the army mm. guy, the Colonel, but I tell you what, I'd never in, in this sort of, um, you know, time traveling version of the X-Men where we're going back in time and we're telling that origin story. The one who I never, ever sets right for me is Nicholas Holt as Hank. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't sit right with me. I know people, so have you went about Kelsey Grammer, but I think he's pretty good as Hank, you know, the older mm. Hank and the, the ambassador to the UN and all that stuff. And he, he works for the government and stuff. But I don't know about this Nicholas Holt. I don't, I just, I just don't think he's very good in it. I think he gets better as the movies go on, but in this one, he, he seems he seems quite um, a duck out of water sort of thing, I think. I, I, best I can describe it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, like, X-Men number one, Beast is not blue. He's, he's just a, a bloke, and he's got the agility and everything, and, and he is a bit of a beast. But I imagine, you know, Hank McCoy to be a big, stocky bloke, not a string bean like Nicholas Holt. So I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I don't really like that casting. And actually, when he goes full-on beast a little bit later, I think the CGI is terrible. I, th I think he looks awful. And and yeah. the Kelsey Grammer beast, I have to say, was a lot better for me. Yeah, I, and I think I know what you mean, because that, that first-person view, when he, turned, when he injects himself, because he's trying to cure himself any from being the beast and it takes him the yeah, other way but yeah. that whole scene there is pretty shit in it like they're trying yeah. to do it like as a computer gamer you know first person shooters like call of duty and that i'm used to but i just don't think it works and it, it almost looks like fraggle rock or the muppets or something yeah. it looks it doesn't it doesn't go with the film i don't know whether it's it was in i can't remember if it was in 3d but it just it that's the only reason I think they would shoot that if they were going to release a 3D version. Mm. Really strange. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember they, they put that on the trailer. I remember people saying when the trailer came out, it's like, oh, this is going to be rough, this. And, and the movie did turn out to be really good, but still that bit, I think, just looked looked pretty bad. But as well as the bar scene, Chris, I think one of the standout you know moments from this movie is kind of when they go on their recruitment drive because, you know, Eric and, and uh, Charles, they've, they've figured out, you know, there's lots more mutants out there. Through the CIA, they get access to Cerebro, you know, and so he, uh, Charles's reach has gone a lot further now so they can 
locate all of these extra mutants and you get that iconic music that starts up and they end up uh recruiting angel first down at a strip club which i'm sure they could have done it in a in an easier way but <laughs> <laughs> but did you recognize that zoe kravitz chris what, uh lenny kravitz daughter i take it i don't yeah. really know it. i didn't yeah, realize yeah. no I didn't know that yeah so she's angel and it, it's always a bit strange she was like a, a i'm sure she was a grand morrison character she because you already had an angel but this was you know same code name i guess but but different set of powers um and then they get uh they get banshee now oh yes yeah. <laughs> top of the morning to you dave <laughs> Oh, from uh, you're you're talking Generation about Generation X, X aren't you? Don't, yeah. Don't get me now and say I got that wrong. I was going to say the, the Canadian, but they, this is one where I don't think they had to play around. They made him American, but I don't see why they couldn't have kept him being Irish. But uh, oh no, know, the they, accent. Yeah, <laughs> it could could just be that. Um, and then they they recruit uh, Havoc as well, don't they? And uh, Darwin, of course, they get into yes. his cab and it's like, you know, take me. Uh, I can't remember where they said to take me, but, you know, so he's another one as well. And then, you know, they're giving each other code names and everything. And then we get the cameo, don't we, Chris? Of Amazing. Oh, Wolverine there, you know. <laughs> but what? And, and that's actually, is, is that not intro or outro? I can't remember now. Excuse um, me, I'm Charles Xavier. Fuck off. Go yeah, fuck, go fuck yourself. yourself. That's it. Um, <laughs> I think it's at the end. He's at the end of the outro. the outro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did the start. You did the outro thing, didn't you? We, we had a yeah, competition yeah. on that. But uh, that's it. No, I'm, I'm Eric Lynch. I'm Charles Xavier. Go fuck yourself. yourself. That's the one. Brilliant. Isn't it? Brilliant. And you know what, though, Dave? I will say about that, though. Hugh Jamman looks old. He's supposed to be in his 60s and he looks older than he does. Obviously, I know the timeline, but you know, it sounds stupid, but as a purist, you'd think they'd try and de-age him slightly because he just looks all of about 45, which he is here or something. <laughs> so <laughs> a little nitpick, Dave, just a little nitpick. I love Wolverine. You know I do. I love anything to do with Hugh Jackman. He's just such a good guy. But yeah, that that just stands out for me. Not a, a horrendous, but just like, no, he looks older than fucking the other two, you see. Well, I mean, it is a bit up and down anyway, isn't it? Because obviously they did, I mean, this is, um, what was it, 11 years? So it's 2000, wasn't it, when the first X-Men came out? And he got a late call, didn't he? Because it was supposed to be um, uh, Duggery Scott, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. And then, you know, he was overrunning on Mission Impossible too. So Hugh Jackman ended up going in there, but he, he hadn't worked out or anything. Um, so in the later movies where he's absolutely jacked, no pun intended, um, <laughs> you know, he's just massive compared to what he was before. So, so that's inconsistent as well. But I think given how old he looks in this movie though, I, I think that's forgivable because I mean, we saw him in the fucking American civil war and he looks about the same, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so so because of his healing ability he ages slower so you know that doesn't explain x-men uh 2000 but you no, know i know but you're right i'm just you're going right. with it yeah just go no and that's not me being a dick or anything i agree it just and it's a classic line as soon as you see the cigar i remember i didn't know he was in it and as soon as i saw that because he has another cameo don't he is it in days of future past where he's he is the he's the berserker raging 
Wolverine, isn't he? Because he's lost his memory and that he's got the longer hair and that. Do you, do you remember that one? And they, obviously it's later than this. It might be Days of Future Past. Where they go in that... Well, he's he's actually in Days of Future Past, isn't he? It can't he's be that the one, one then. goes back in time. Sorry, it can't be that one then. It, it must it, be... I think it's Apocalypse when he has the old, like, Weapon X... That's it, the Weapon X. Right he's got the, the longer end. hair. Yes, yeah. Um, but but Dave, he's class. He is absolute yeah. class, and it's just enough. So they don't they don't even argue with him. They just walk off. And go. Yeah. <laughs> he's so. But they've good. forgotten about him again. By the time X Men two thousand comes along, Charles yeah. has forgotten who Wolverine was, even though yeah. he'd found him with Cerebro before. Yeah. Again, Dave, you're right. The timeline <laughs> makes you no. Know, this this seems like a story I'd write, and then you'd read it and go, "But what about what happened in the last one?" And I'd be like. Yeah, just forget about that, Dave. No one's going to know that. I, this this plays into. I used to write. This is so true of me. This I used to, uh, before I go any further. Dave, this is not going to surprise you one bit. Right. <laughs> so, as a fan of pro evolution soccer, I used to run with this guy a fan site about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. This guy was a web designer. He's a pro evo fan. We just got talking, and he was like. Um, I'm doing this site. Do you want to come on board? And, and I said, yeah. And I had contacts at Konami to get the game. Little did I know that was being used to get free copies of the game, Dave, being a gullible <laughs> clown that I am. But what I started doing was a weekly write-up. So I would play the game. I'd play three or four games. in the, Remember the old Masters League, Dave, on Pro Evo? Mm. Pro Evo 2008 and then 2009 were awful. 2009 especially was awful game. But I did the Masters League and I, I had the players. And, I'm, and what I was doing was I was writing down a story. So I was buying players, someone gets injured and I was expanding on that, you know, just, just making stuff up. It's like a place out for six weeks and I'd be like, you know, this guy's actually been fined by the, the manager because he's got caught in a nightclub. You know, just stop. I mm. thought nobody was um, reading it and this went on for, I did it for months and I did goal montages on the uh, early YouTube stuff on a channel and everything. Didn't read what I was doing though, Dave, did I? So this guy, school, yeah, this, <laughs> At least pretend to be shocked. This guy, this guy comes on. Hang on a minute. How's he scored? He was injured out for six weeks last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry about that, mate. And the week after, I did the same thing. And, and I did it with someone else. And he went, well, he's only got two goals. And you've said he's got four. And it was just everything I did. I just didn't read it, did I? And in the end, this guy's like... Do you actually proofread any of your work? And I just come back like, no, not really. No, then he's not. <laughs> the, the fucking site, not because of that, but the site ended up folding about six months later. But we got loads of people interacting. And this story, Dave, <laughs> and the X-Men time, it was a Chris Phelps special. So. <laughs> well, you know, you don't proofread anything. That's a given. I'm sure you've said that many times. Yep. But then on top of that, Keeping an actual continuity in this fictional <laughs> world, that's another level, isn't it? I mean, you'd have so, so Chris Claremont, right? He used to have these dangling plot threads, and you know, he'd go back and like pick things up several years after he's planted those seeds. But unless you've got a massive whiteboard or some cataloging system, the idea that you can keep all this in your head is, is unachievable, I think. And also, Dave, you know that I am writing a book and I've realised after 44 pages or 45 pages that I may have forgotten who some of the characters are and what they actually do, so I've got to go back and maybe make a note because I do think my memory was up there with some of the best, but it's not. <laughs> I, I don't think that's generally how authors do it. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure they need to have like a, a brief first and like outline who the characters are. If you build in a world, what, what the world is, I, I'm pretty sure they do all of that before they just start writing words on a page. <laughs> <laughs> the more you say it, the more ridiculous it is. It's just me going in there thinking I'm going to be fucking J.K. Rowling or something or fucking Tom Clancy, but they could they. I, I, I just feel sorry for Tony because Tony is actually, you know, he's a professor in English literature and he's offered his help to you. <laughs> You might need to go and get another degree to fucking. And you know he'll be me. really nice about it as well. Because yeah, he uh, is. Yeah. It's good yeah, that Chris. Yeah. But this <laughs> this character um who comes and saves the day is dead. You killed him in chapter two. <laughs> How has he come back? You've not told anyone he's just appeared in the next scene. I don't know, Tony. <laughs> 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 you know that's coming don't you yeah. I don't even want to send it to you when I finished it and Tony's proved I don't even want to send it to you because I know for a fact you're going to go and you'll be dead honest and go it's pretty shit that really <laughs> I'm well, uh, uh, yeah. I, I suspect the first thing will be I don't understand <laughs> oh dear oh, amazing. Yeah. amazing I, I think I think yeah Good, a good plan would be to read it back so you remember who's who. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be writing him down, Dave. <laughs> oh, my word. I've forgotten where we are now. So, so we, we've recruited everyone, and yeah. everyone's given themselves like little code names and things. You know, these are, these are their superhero names from the comics. Not a massive fan of this bit, I don't think, where, you know, Mystique's like, and you'll be Beast, and, you know, you can be... Uh, Darwin gives himself his name as well, but I do like the way, you know, Azizel comes in, and he starts picking up the CIA guys, and then dropping them from the sky, and they try and recruit the kids, don't they? And then, actually, a couple of them do disappear, but you know, you know what trope is here again, Chris? You know what I'm going to say? Go on. They kill the black guy. Yeah, I know. And he, he looked quite a promising <sighs> character. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm not a massive fan of Darwin, to be honest. He was all he was part of a whole retcon thing they did. Um, they did this whole Deadly Genesis storyline where, you know, you, you basically had the. X-Men Giant Size was when they kind of really took off. That was when you had the international team with like Wolverine and Colossus and Storm and all of that. That appeared around 75, but the retcon that came in the 2000s, um, basically they said, oh, there was actually a team before that that went to rescue, you know, the first X-Men team and, and they failed and Darwin was part of that whole group. But uh, yeah, they they created him here just to just to kill him off. And like I say, if all of the mutants in this story, they kill the fucking black guy and it's just... It, it, 2011 this was and and you've got the director you've got Matthew Vaughan who I've got a massive amount of respect for you know he's done Layer Cake Stardust did Kick-Ass which we quite like didn't we yeah, movie. he did uh, he didn't direct actually Days of Future Past but you know he's, he's that was done by Brian Singer but he was involved in the story the Kingsman which we covered and, and we quite liked as well so really top 
director, I think, who's, who's done a lot of stuff that I like. But yeah, I could have done without that trope. No, I do. I agree. But I also think the way Darwin dies is pretty good. It's just so sure. The, the effects of it were good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. So um, Shaw takes the power off the. What's the blonde-haired kid called, Dave? The one who, who Havoc, fired, Havoc yeah, takes yeah. it off him, and you think he's left it, and then because Darwin's pretending he's going with him, and he protects the girl, and he grabs his door, he protects her, pulls her to one side, and it's the way he says about you know protecting him and, and everything, and he just puts it in his mouth, and he's pretty graphic. It's pretty good. Mm. That I did think it, even now, eleven years later, or ten years later, it still holds up well. But again, you always have that dynamic where you get. I, it was always in the the older films. It was Magneto won it against Charles and Wolverine against like yeah, Sabretooth yeah. and all that. So you get that sort of standoff, but they're not because they're only young kids. They're not powerful enough to go up against Shaw and everything. And I do like all this. There. I love the, the the way the film starts changing, and we get like I, I do think one thing I would say, like you said about the recruiting thing, it is a little bit. You know, we, we we no one slags Captain America up, you know, on your left, but that bit where Charles is running, he's not renowned for his fucking Sebco eight hundred meter running, Dave. <laughs> but for some reason, he's the barometer with which Hank needs to run. Well, Hank's not renowned for being an amazing runner. I know it's about using his feet and that, but that affects when he's running behind him. Nicholas Holt, you know, when he when he comes mm. round the lap, that that looks terrible. It looks yeah, like he slowed yeah. down at one point. He's literally yards behind him and then he just sort of slows down so I could have done without that sort of 18 montage slightly and I still don't understand the Charles thing at all Dave because he wasn't like he was breaking records at school and we got this whole thing he was an you know, Olympic athlete in training or something he just let's have a race and I'll lap you I just didn't get he's that. just like an average speed bloke isn't he he's not yeah. he's not the barometer um but the fact that you know Beast old Nicholas Holt Beast is is doing laps, you know, while Charles is just, you know, doing one length. I, I, I thought the, the essence of it was, was a good idea. I don't, I don't know where he becomes like the fucking flash or something. <laughs> you know, I preferred I it where he's like jumping upside down and hanging off, you know, the, the light with his feet and stuff like that. I think that's more what I associate with beast, not, not super speed. <laughs> no, but you're right. And, and I think as the movie comes on, and they've got the team and, and we've got the ones that have survived, the ones that are, you know, are dead and they go ha- after Shaw. I think this is brilliant. I, th- I think the whole battle with Shaw and, you know, Magneto's, well, Eric at this point, his whole dynamics So Charles has got him to change a direction of that satellite dish, didn't he? You, mm. He reads his mind and the tear comes down his face. It's quite good. It's a really good scene and it's all about the hurt and the pain. And he's like somewhere in the middle basically is where you want to be. We rage mm. and control and all that. And I think serenity. serenity yep. Yeah. And I, and I think that is brilliant. Well, you live near, you used to live near Jodrell Bank, Dave. So it was almost like he was moving mm. Jodrell Bank, which is a massive <laughs> satellite in it for astronomers and stuff. I did go past it last week. I thought you when I was driving past it, but um, don't worry, Dave. You thought what? of me before, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Who? What's, what's his name? D Ream guy. Um, Fucking famous astronomer. Oh, oh Patrick. Got, my um, mind's gone. Pa- not Patrick. Sir Patrick Moore. Um, the younger guy, the, the keyboardist from D-Ream. I don't know who he is. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Things uh, can only get better. Him. Brian Cox, no? Brian oh. Cox. Was he out of D-Ream? Yeah. Sir Brian Cox, I didn't know that. That was a pure He's not day. fucking Sir Brian. He's not been knighted, has he? Surely Sir Brian Cox. Sir, 
Patrick Moore. I could be wrong, Dave. I thought Brian Cox had been knighted. <laughs> fucking, I'm having a mare on this one today. You I, fucking I'm on... are. <laughs> <laughs> Statistics, history all over the place. Just making it up with the He's got a CBE by the looks of it. <laughs> Close. He's met the Queen. Is that not good enough? <laughs> my my yeah. fact finding. He, he was in Dereem and he left Dereem to go and become a, an astrophysicist. Wow. He's one of the most famous as well. He's always yeah, on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my fact finding <laughs> history today, Dave. I've got a scene history, would you believe, at school, but unbelievable. Today. Even I'm fucking Hitler in Munich and <laughs> playing up front for Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew it was him because he shaved his mustache <laughs> off there. If he played behind the, he played behind the number ten. <laughs> yeah. He was just hanging around in, in the fucking background in planes, trains, and automobiles. Fuck you, that's Home Alone. <laughs> if you don't mind, Elvis in Home Alone. <laughs> you never forgive me for that. That's a big conspiracy. That. Oh, I thought he was playing trains and automobiles. No, he was supposed to be hanging. No, around. it's 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 Home Alone when Kevin's mum's trying to get home. John Candy's in the airport. Oh yeah, it's it's because it's a similar scene, isn't it? Yes, that's, that's yeah, very I'm similar, and, and it's still true, by the way. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because. When Sebastian Shaw recruits the mutants, he's not particularly going up against them. It's only because Darwin, uh, you know, was trying to to attack them that that he's retaliated and ended up killing him off. But you know, as far as Sebastian Shaw is concerned, his real kind of enemy is the human beings or the Homo sapiens. So again, it keeps you guessing who who's the real baddie in this. Um, but when they they actually go off and and they uh, they actually catch up with Emma, don't they? So she's trying to uh, convince the Russians to put the the missiles in uh, Cuba and what have you. And actually, a, another quite good scene, I think, when uh, Magneto, you know, just decides fuck this. Essentially, he's working for the CIA, but you get all of the uh, Russian guards and stuff being moved around and, and thrown around with the barbed wire and stuff. And, you know, you can tell there's fractures between his and Charles relationship, you know, when he actually gets Emma and, you know, he's, he's pretty much strangling her, isn't he, you know, in her yeah. diamond form until she cracks so that, you know, she, she's in trouble if she, uh, uh she changes back into diamond again. So, uh, I, and again, it's one of those things when she's in diamond form, uh, she can't use a, telepathic powers but neither can anyone else on her as well so that's why she was changing uh in that way but ah, I, I right. thought again that little scene you could see magneto you know he's just slightly overstepping the mark and charles doesn't like it you know he, he wants to play nice so i thought that was a nice little scene as well i think i think the whole build up towards the end of the movie is great dave so like you say, the stuff with Charles and Eric, and you can see it's strained and Charles is trying his best to sort of keep him contained. He knows that he has, he has this rage inside of him. And, and I think as they go after Shaw at the end, I think that's great, the fight scene, Dave, because you can see the emotion in Fassbender's 
face, the, you know, the tears, everything to do with his mother, you know, that the mm. whole that the reason why he was relenting and going after Shaw is great. And, and we get to see all sorts of different bits of action. I, I just think it's just such a solid, good movie. And it's a shame, isn't it, that you said the X-Men universe, some of the movies are fucking awful. Like, you know, we laugh about Dark Phoenix and we've reviewed that. My God, that is a bad movie. But some of them are great. And then for me, this just stands out. I think the action's brilliant. I just think it really, mm. really comes together well in this at the end. I do. Um, there's one thing that just bugs me, though, um, which is, and I'm not sure if they would, if the end bit on the beach I'm not sure if it's reshoots or that there's definitely something weird going on there because Fassbender, you know, he's, he's, he's got German ancestry, <laughs> but he is actually <laughs> Irish, but he sounds, you know, in most things I've seen, uh, he sounds English, you know, he does a good English and German, uh, in Inglorious Bastards as well. But at the, on the beach, he goes full on Irish. He's forgotten that he's supposed to put on this English accent. <laughs> and yeah. he's just, it's so jarring because it, it's such a massive change to the rest of the movie. You know, I, I, I just can't watch it. And it, it just irks me. It just irritates me that no one who was on these reshoots was like, um, aren't you supposed to be playing it like English? <laughs> So yeah, that that's the that's the one bit that I really don't like, you know. And it, it unfortunately it takes away a little bit some of the emotion from the whole scene because, like you say, he gets he gets Sebastian Shaw's helmet off, which you, you know you probably recognised even the first time. It looks a bit like Magneto's helmet, um, and then you know he kills him. Again, I like the way that unfolds because you've got Charles basically screaming for Eric not to do it, not to cross over the line and kill Sebastian Shaw. But that's when they absolutely diverge. And then, you know, you get this whole tension as well. You've got the US Navy, you've got the uh, Russian Navy there, that, and they basically like, okay, let's team up and let's kill off all these mutants. And so, you know, I, I like it the way it unfolded. And, and kind of what it meant. And, and you could see, you know, these friends, um, you could almost see the history, you know, and you, you're kind of replaying back what had happened with X-Men 2000. And you're like, okay, so they were friends, but, you know, they just massively disagree on the, on the methods. But it's just that fucking Irish accent. I just can't get over it. <laughs> you know what, though, Dave? It's funny because I'd never, ever, ever noticed it. But this time I did... And we were talking, weren't we? And it was like, I was that, that just me? I, I was the same. I, honestly, I was like, oh, okay. Then <laughs> where? <laughs> what context have you? It's it's almost as if they shot the scene, and they were going to. And it was like a test run before he put his accent on, and mm. they just left it in. Do you understand what I mean? Like he was just doing himself. I mean, almost actors and actresses stay in character, but he felt as if he was just practicing it. And then all of a sudden they decided to actually go, actually, that'll do. But nobody, everyone, it's so obvious. It's such a, you know, my granddad's Irish, Dave. He's from, he is from Northern Ireland, but, the, you know, Michael Fassbender, I think he's from Southern Ireland. So, so it's, you can just hear it so much. But honestly, I'd never seen it the first time I'd ever watched it. But this time it's front and centre. It's really strange. Yeah. And like I say, because it's so jarring with uh, everything else. I mean, it, essentially, he's, he's, he looks like he's playing German 
or you know possibly polish or something like that it's certainly european yeah. isn't he but yeah. then he just sounds like classic you know in, it, posh english accent for most of the film right up until this end bit yeah without a doubt without a doubt and and i think as well like you, you get that whole thing with the the sub you know the the warships and we've got the missiles and he stops them and charles is trying to stop him and that, that bullet scene, Dave, now I want to ask you this, is that something that actually happens Why he ends up in a wheelchair? Or is this purely for the movie that they've put this in? It's for the movie. Right, okay. I, I, I'm sure you'd said it to me before, but I wasn't sure. So, I mean, in the comics, I'm not, again, because I've, I've not been up to date with it the last few years, I'm not actually sure what Charles Xavier um, is up to now. But, I mean, at various points, he could walk, then he couldn't walk, and, you know, he kind of linked it up with his powers at one point. And I see it was in more recent years, so I know, say more recent years, I'm talking decades, you know, they, they portray him as a bit of a shithouse because actually when you retrospectively look back at what he was doing in the 60s, he was basically getting kids to go out and fight his wars for him, you know, so <laughs> it, it doesn't age that well. So he's not the kind of cuddly Patrick Stewart um, Professor X that we that we saw in X-Men 2000. But yeah, that, so this was just all made up for the movie. And again, I'm not sure, you know, when we get to X-Men Days of Future Past, you know, that seems to have gone. And again, it's it's more linked to his powers, the fact that he can walk. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. I remember that well, the end of that movie. But but no, look, it ends well. You've, you've got the whole dynamic here where Eric, you know, is basically Magneto now. He gets his team, Salvadoria, as, is it Aziel? Aziel Riptide, Aziel yeah. Riptide, and then you've got Charles with his team, and then we get the whole "I'm going to open up a school because of the house." Because there is a good line actually from Eric earlier on when Charles is like, "Where are we going to go?" When the whole CIA com- compound gets blown up, and, and he says to him, "Don't he go, oh, you've been living in hell here, aren't you? You know, yeah, you've really yeah. been struggling, <laughs> <laughs> posh boy sort of thing." But yeah. no, I think it ends really well. The movie, Dave, and obviously. He does rescue Emma, doesn't he? And, and that's when he says, like, I'm Magneto sort of thing. So I think that as an origin, it's more about Eric's origin, I think, this movie than anything. It is the underlying oh, thing, yeah. without a yeah. doubt. And so. I think, unfortunately, it means we'll never get really a, a Magneto origin story because I think that would have been, you know, just forget all the other stuff. Just just follow Eric yeah. Know, for a whole movie and i think you know let's have more bar scenes you know not exactly the same but you know him just being an absolute cutthroat badass i think uh that would have been great but because we pretty much saw his origin in this movie I, I don't think we'll ever get to see that but i do think he's my favorite villain out of all of comics i absolutely love magneto me too i, I you've said it to you loads of times dave without a doubt head and shoulders above any of the bad guys. You know, Thanos is great in that whole MCU, but I just think Magneto's just brilliant. He's just don't give a shit, and I love him. And I lo- I, I like a bit of Loki, as you know, Dave, because he's like that anti-hero, good, bad. But Magneto is just brilliant and relentless, and he sticks to his ideology of what a mutant should be against the Homo sapiens, you know, the, the humans and everything. And that that he's, he's probably the only character that's consistent throughout every single movie, Dave whether it's a, a 1960s Magneto or it's the, you know, the 2000s one, he pretty much in this towards the end, his whole thing as a person is the same. 
it's always blaming the humans and if saying they're the ones persecuting them and that's why they react sort of thing. So I think I'm I'm pleased with him as a character. I really love him. Yeah, I mean, I there's little things that jar with me. So in uh, in the second X Men, you know, he's having a bit of a joke with Raven about Rogue's hair, and you know, saying, uh, you know, we love what you've done with your hair. I, I for me, that jars with me a bit. That, that doesn't feel like Magneto to me. It, he's with what he's gone through as a kid you know, and, and being persecuted by the Nazis and what have you, he's so sympathetic, or, or even if you don't want to sympathize with him, empathize with him. For me, that's what makes him so interesting. Because again, when you're talking about, uh, well, the government, all they want to do is just register the mutants and then find out where they where they live and what their powers are and everything. And you sort of think, oh, well, that's okay. Well, he's been on the raw end of that where, you know, the registration comes first and then comes the the kind of persecution and, and execution. So I, I just think it's because of that. And yeah, he is broadly, um, he's broadly consistent, but yeah, just a few little things like that rogue scene in, in the second one, just jar with me that you know he wouldn't he doesn't make jokes about other mutants and stuff this is all serious business for him and and i'm sure i've told you this in the past but you know i'm not sure stanley basically started off with this idea but you know i think it was retrofitted to a certain extent but it, it was basically you know there are parallels drawn between like martin luther king's approach and malcolm x appro- malcolm x's approach yeah you know to the um to everything and and obviously that's you know charles and and eric's approach so yeah i i just think it's great and we got anything else to say or should we go into our final review let's go right dave i'll go first today I really, really enjoyed it. I said at the top of the show, probably <laughs> ruined the review as we've gone through, but it's such a good movie. There is things, little nitpicks here and there, but I just think, Michael, Fassbender Dave, you know, today you've, you've, you've educated <laughs> me on what his real name is, James McAvoy. I, I just think Jennifer Lawrence is really good in it, the little cameo. I just think the whole dynamic of it and the origin it just works. There is stuff that doesn't work, but I just think it's a great movie. And I've watched this probably probably about four or five times now and not every time I watch it, I just fully enjoy it. So I don't think it's the best movie that we've ever reviewed. It it, it isn't, but it's a great movie and it's definitely watchable. And I think it's probably one of the top two or three X-Men movies. So I'm going to send it to Atlantis, Dave, and it deserves to be there. It's just a great movie for me. So what about yourself? Very good. So I I'm not sure whether this is my favorite X-Men movie in in the Fox universe. I think it's a close one between this I think and X-Men 2. And I think because this goes back to the beginning, you know, in terms of chronology, I I just I like the fact that we get to see young Charles, we get to see a young uh, Eric as well. I I just like that a little bit that is silly little bit that you know, I quite like in the whole training montage is just where he's trying to teach Banshee how he can probably fly because, you know, he, he can uh, um, project these sound waves and whatever. And so he gets him to dive out the window, but then he just plummets to the floor. 
Do you, do you know the bit I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it just, again, it, it, it sort of balances the action, the emotion, the kind of bit, little bits of comedy. I, I just think it, it does all of those things really well. So I think at a push, Chris, I would probably say it is, uh, hold on, hold on. This, oh, you, you, this Bester. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Irish name. That, that, was my, that was my best. That was my best. Uh, Michael's Fassbender Irish German accent. <laughs> it's better than mine, anyway. <laughs> Absolutely so, brilliant. Yeah. No, and and I tell you what, Chris, there are few soundtracks uh, or theme music pieces that I like better than Magneto's music in this. Yeah. I just love it. And sometimes, you know, like you say, going to YouTube and, and putting on little bits, I'll just put that kind of Magneto music on YouTube, and I just absolutely love it. So a bit like yourself, it's not going right to the top for me, but a really, really solid Atlantis. Oh, great stuff, Dave. Great. And I'm dead pleased that we picked this and you put it on the list. It's really good. Uh, honestly, guys, if you want to contact the show, at Comics Emotion P. If you want to email us, the Comics Emotion Podcast at gmail.com. And also, Dave, what have we got for next week, my friend? We've got another classic. And I mentioned about X-Men 2 there. Quite often people say like the second movie in a trilogy is quite often the best one because you've been introduced to the characters in that first story. And then so many times the third one is a massive letdown. But Chris, we're going to go to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and we're going to go to the second in the franchise uh, which you know other people might call Spider-Man 2 <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, this is the one obviously massively iconic train scene Doc Octopus as well uh, not watched this one in a few years and so I'm intrigued you know when we put it up against everything else and especially it's come out since how's it going to stack up but, uh, Chris, let's get into our trailer. It's funny. I'm not sure where to begin. Do you love me or not? I... don't. You don't. Kiss me. Kiss you. I need to know something. Just one kiss. In your seatbelts.
Oh, Dave, I am looking forward to that next week because I have such good memories of this movie. I've not seen it for quite a long time, but as I've been saying in this, I have a YouTube rotation of probably one of the most iconic scenes for Spider-Man, Dave, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. So I'm really all in on this and another great choice, my friend. But Dave, I did it on purpose. I kept talking. What are you going to take us out with today, Mr. Fassbender? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. James Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jarrell! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. Hey, good to Oh, hey.